Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. America! The Nightcap. Hey, man! USA, baby! Woo! That's what America's all about, D! Right here, this is the USA! Oh, relax! Oh, I'm gonna sit through half. Oh, you gonna throw with me? Little actor boy, you wanna Back go with the on. Patriots? Get in your bed. Get in your bed and go. Okay? Because I'll throw down. I'll throw down any day of the week. Get your little man and drive out of my face, okay? Before I go to America, all over here! Nobody can stop the USA. Yeah. But that's not the I am talking about yeah. freedom, about choice. America. I don't think you need to worry, because if you want to beat China, you will. If you don't, that's fine. That, my friend, is your victory. Who do you play for? Play for the United States of America. On WGR Sports Radio 550. It's election night. What's up, everybody? It's the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Feel free to jump over to our sister station, 930 News Radio WBEN, if you are looking for coverage on both the election nationally and locally. We got all the coverage for you over on our sister station, WBEN. We are at Tuesday, trade deadline day in the NFL, and it was painfully slow. Nothing. I think I spent a half hour yesterday going through my five favorite ideas for the Bills on trade deadline day. Not only did we not get a Bills trade, we did not get basically any trades. The Miami Dolphins, who I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks talking about, hey, don't discount them. They could win this division. The Bills are a heavy favorite. They should be a heavy favorite. But Miami is a game and a half back. Their point differential is leaps and bounds better than yours. They may not be a great team, they may not be an elite team, but they have played a tough schedule and have a winning record with a quarterback who is a rookie, and we don't know what he is, but has all the potential in the world. Miami did a couple of minor things today. They send, weirdly, their young slot-wide receiver, Isaiah Ford, who I'm not saying is all that good, but the guy was playing. I mean, he was playing snaps for this team. Uh, he had 18 catches on the season, 29 targets. He was on pace. He's on pace for over, six, over 60 targets 
on the season. They just decided to ship him off to division rival New England, who also it's weird for them because you would think that they were going to sell today, right? Two and five. Cam Newton looking like he shot. They're going to give up three and a half games back, whatever they are. They added something minor. Then the Dolphins turn around. Miles Gaskin, their starting running back, has got an injury. They go add some depth with DeAndre Washington from the Kansas City Chiefs. But league-wide, that's it. That's it. Nothing else to speak of in terms of trades. And yesterday, I'm talking about David Njoku and Quinnen Williams and John Ross as trade ideas for the Bills. And, you know, it makes you look stupid, I think, not only that your team doesn't even dabble in that, but that the league doesn't dabble in that. But lessons learned, right? Next year, I'm going to try not to get as built up for the trade deadline as I did uh, a little bit today because, you know, this is a 6-2 and two football team with holes on it, and I thought it would have been nice to see from Brandon Bean and this team an addition that screams, yeah, we know that our record is good, but we know that we are not a complete product. We have struggled in different areas of both sides of the football. Defensively, with the interior defensive line, and even at linebacker with the injuries that have occurred with Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, and on offense with the running game at times. Like There are some holes on this team that needed to be filled. At the end of the day, though, it's not really that big a deal to me that they didn't do anything. This, this team lives and dies with how good Josh Allen is. They've joined the rest of the NFL. You have a quarterback that, yes, his performances fluctuate. Josh Allen looked like an MVP quarterback for the first four weeks of the season. Since, he's kind of looked like Josh Allen from last season. Which is not bad, you know, not great, but not bad. He's gone from MVP to, hey, not bad. And if you go back and forth between those two things every four games, you probably have a franchise quarterback. So I'm not here to bash Josh Allen, I'm just saying... This team probably goes as far as he'll take them. And whatever version of Josh Allen shows up in a playoff game, that will decide whether the Bills win or not. If MVP Allen decides to show up when they play in the wildcard round, or they have to play the Titans in the second round maybe, or the Ravens or the Steelers, if MVP Allen shows up in that game, the Bills probably win. But if he's just okay... Or if he's, God forbid, you know, what he turned into at the end of that Texans playoff game last season, the Bills probably are not winning. Maybe it, it's, it's not really that interesting to think about and say because you're not really figuring anything out. But it might just be dumb luck whether the Bills make a playoff run because it all hinges on the quarterback. They've done everything to surround him with weapons, with pieces. And yes... It's not all come to fruition this season, but hey, that's going to happen with defense. How many times have I said it on the show? Defense regresses year to year. The Seahawks of the early 2010s are the only defense in the last 20 years that has consistently maintained top five defensive play in the league year after year after year after year. It does not really happen. And the Bills are not alone in this. The Patriots, who had a historically good season defensively last year, are worse this year defensively than the Bills are. 
I'll have to double check on where they stand today, but going into that Bills-Patriots game, New England was 17th in the league in total defense. The Bills were 15th, and I would imagine maybe they both improved a little bit, but the Patriots didn't leap over the Bills, I would imagine. So, the division is interesting to me still. Maybe it's not interesting to everybody, though. It's not really interesting to the betting community. I can tell you that. I looked at a couple of different sports books, and I had the same line everywhere. The Bills at minus 715 to win the AFC East. The sports betting community has the Bills as the second likeliest team in the league to win their division after the Kansas City Chiefs. That's it. Every other division is way more of a coin flip than the AFC East is right now. I think it's closer than that because I think Miami is intriguing. But there is a real potential for this team to just hit the snooze button, hit cruise control, and go 500 the rest of the way and easily win the AFC East, which is kind of how last year felt winning the fifth wildcard spot. That was comfortable all the way through. That Steeler game, if you had lost that on Sunday night football, there were some scenarios where it got really close. But for the most part, that was never really that tightly contested. Now you might get the same situation. But it's just Miami. And maybe that's why their odds are so good because it's only one team you even have to half worry about. We, are, we all will know what the Jets are. And I want to talk about the future of the division a little bit today. Because we got the rest of the week to talk about the Seahawks. We just saw New England a couple of days ago. And we saw the Jets the week before that. And watching the Patriots up close against the Bills. And the Jets up close against the Bills. And I went back and watched a lot of that Miami game against the Rams. And from a couple of weeks ago, their big win over the San Francisco 49ers. The game wasn't even close. And even though their point differential is phenomenal, plus 58 on the season, the Bills are in the negative point differential. Miami is plus 58. It's not all they're doing. They are a good, I think they're a decent team, and I would not be surprised in the slightest if they squeak in to the playoffs as a 7 or a 6 seed. And I told you I wouldn't be shocked if they catch the Bills. But it would probably take a collapse more so from the Bills than, you know, the Dolphins ascending to this elite-level team. What is the future of this division? We saw the Patriots this past Sunday. We saw the Jets the week before that. The Dolphins, if you haven't been watching them, it's been weird, but they're definitely better than expected. This division right now has the potential to be very challenging for the Bills going forward, it also has the potential to be one of the easier divisions to play in on the long term. And that is what comes with quarterback uncertainty for three of the four teams. All three teams that aren't the Bills. I mean, in reality, we have no idea who's starting for the Dolphins in three years. Could it be Tua Tagovailoa? He's certainly got the potential to be a franchise quarterback. But, hey, we've only seen him once and he didn't throw for 100 yards. So, far from a sure thing, plus the injury concerns. The Jets today, and part of the reason I wanted to talk about the AFC East is the Jets, Joe Douglas, their general manager, some very interesting comments today. He talked about Robbie Anderson and that he dropped the ball on that one, and he sure did. I think Anderson's third in the league in receiving. He 
gave Adam Gase a vote of confidence, and then also gave Sam Darnold a vote of confidence as the long-term quarterback. And I think if you wanted people to believe that Sam Darnold truly is your guy for the long haul, then you wouldn't have in the same press conference been as strong in your defense on Adam Gase. So I'm not really believing the Jets and Joe Douglas in saying that they still are committed to Sam Darnold as their long-term franchise quarterback. They are on track for the first overall pick. I'd be surprised if they do not get it. And if they get the first overall pick and Trevor Lawrence is in the NFL draft, I'd love to see Joe Douglas look me in the eyes right now and tell me, you are not taking Trevor Lawrence. In an honest moment, would he do that? Of course he would. Sam Darnold, hey, he's got some excuses. His coach really doesn't seem to know what he's doing. Personnel-wise, schematically, like everything's going wrong there. He's not, he has no talent to throw the football to. Rotating door of offensive linemen. The defense stinks. How many coordinators has he gone through? He's already on his second head coach. Darnold's not getting a lot of help. But he also, at the same time, has not done nearly enough, not even close, to convince a team that they should pass on one of the most built-up quarterback prospects in recent memory. For him. It's not quite the Josh Rosen-Kyler Murray situation, but it's a light version of that for sure. For sure. And maybe Darnold's a starter somewhere else next year. But if the Jets get their hands or the opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence, you better believe that they are drafting Trevor Lawrence. The Patriots, meanwhile, Bill Belichick making this weird comment yesterday about how they had no salary cap space and, like, listen, this is the, the check has come. We went for it. We signed some big contracts. We made some trades for guys that were making a lot of money, and we won three Super Bowls. We went to another one, and we went to a conference championship game. That was Belichick's comments on WEEI, our sister station in Boston yesterday. Excuse-making. And then today, you see some comments from unnamed executives in the league that I don't really know why Bill is saying this. It's, it's strange that he is saying this, because this is not the type of thing he normally says. And I think this was from Jason Lock on 4. I'll have to double-check that, so don't quote me that this was a Lock on 4 story. But someone had a story today about there are executives in the league that think Belichick is covering up a tank, and he's doing the best job possible to cover it up. He doesn't want, for obvious reasons, he doesn't want people thinking that he's bottoming out this year on purpose. But it's the smart thing to do if you are the Patriots. If you're Bill Belichick and you have no cap dollars at all, all you had to work with was Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. And, like, yeah, I'll take Cam Newton at $1 bucks if I can get him, but I'm not committing to him long-term. I don't even have the money to commit to him long-term if I wanted to. All the players that opted out, Donta Hightower, the fullback, James Devlin, there was another guy on their offensive line that opted out. A couple of other defensive players. They had a lot of guys opt out. They had guys leaving free agency. Kyle Van Noy goes to the Dolphins. Jamie Collins leaves. They lost a lot of bodies. Obviously, Tom Brady. How did completely just <laughs> glossed over the fact that the best quarterback of all time, who was still playing pretty well, decided to up and leave. New England was in a tough spot. But what is their future at quarterback? Because even if they are doing that, 
I, I don't necessarily care if Belichick's trying to bottom out or not. They are. That team is not good. I think it was low-key embarrassing that the Bills only beat that team by three points on Sunday. That team deserved to be put down. They have nothing to work with on offense. Their defense is underachieving. And the Bills have, I mean, how many guys on that Patriots roster would start for the Bills? Four? Five? Maybe? Like a quarter of the team, if, if, if I'm stretching it? They're going to be bad. They're 2-5 and five already. They're probably going to be, well, they're at least going to be a top 10 pick, I think. And maybe they're even in the top five. And suddenly, we've got one team in the division in Miami with a, a franchise quarterback level potential in Tua Tangavailoa in Miami. You have got the Jets potentially in line to draft one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in a decade. And then you've got the Patriots in line to have a high draft pick as well. And it's not just Trevor Lawrence coming up. Justin Fields from Ohio State, Trey Lance from North Dakota State are both being touted as franchise-level quarterback prospects as well. Both are expected to be in the top 10. I saw the Draft Network a couple of weeks ago had them both as top 10 prospects in the league, not just projected to go in the top 10. Like, no, no, of all the draft-eligible players, they are three of the 10 best players in the country, and they all just happen to be quarterbacks. This is the year you want to be at the top of the draft if you need a quarterback this upcoming year. And the Bills have two teams in their division that are in line to be close to a pick like that. So, all that to say, there is plenty of potential for Josh Allen and the Bills to be facing an incredibly difficult quarterback matchup in six division games every single year going forward. They'd all have to hit, and how unlikely is that? Probably a lot, but... There's the potential there for it. At the same time, though, while and this is why so much can fluctuate in the AFC East in the coming years. And by the way, lucky for the Bills, they have, I know there's a lot of potential for this division to be one of the stronger divisions quarterback-wise in the league because of the Jets and Patriots draft position and Tua and Josh Allen. Luckily for the Bills, they have the only one that's not an if, Right? Allen's the only one that's not an F. Maybe we don't know exactly how great he is, you know? Maybe he can't quite reach MVP-level quarterback play, but we know that there's a baseline with Josh Allen. We know there is. He's at least a pretty good starter in, in the league. At least that. And you can't say that about any other team right now in the AFC East. But at the same time, this also has the potential for the Bills to be facing one of the easier divisions quarterback-wise in the league. Look at, the, look at what all that has to happen. Tua needs to hit, right? He needs to come out and he needs to realize the, the hype that he was surrounding him as a draft prospect. So that needs to happen. The Jets need to finish out the season in last place, which, yes, they're in line to do, but there are teams right around them. The Giants only have one win. I think the Bengals maybe only have one win. Like, there, there are teams right around them. The Jaguars. The Jaguars. I mean, they're going to be starting Jake Luton, who, at quarterback this week. So the Jets need to completely lose the season and finish at the bottom. They have to have Trevor Lawrence declare for the draft to get 
the best quarterback prospect in a decade. Then they need to pick him, right? They need to be willing. They need Joe Douglas to be basically fabricate, fabricating the truth today that Sam Darnold is his long-term answer. So he needs to be willing to do it. Then you have to have Trevor Lawrence be great. That's a lot of things that need to happen for the Jets to be a real threat quarterback-wise to the Bills. Then you've got New England. They need a lot to happen, too. They need to finish low enough to be able to pick Justin Fields or Trey Lance. And then they have to be great. Just like Lawrence has to be. Just like Allen had to be. Just like Tua has to be. And with that, that's tougher. Because there are a lot of teams at the bottom. And if these three kids are as good as they're being built up to be, and, you know, between now and the draft, they continue to to build themselves up as prospects, you're going to have to be in the top three. I mean, there really is, there's a chance, uh, there could absolutely be a chance that you go one, two, three at quarterback. And if you're New England, hey, you want one, either hope you have the draft capital to move up or hope that you're just bad enough that you're in one of those positions. And then Justin Fields or Trey Lance have to be great if they end up with one of them, one of them in the first place. That's the thing. We've, we've known this with the Bills for 20 years. It's... Once you go into quarterback purgatory, you never know how long it will take to come out. You never know. And Miami, New York, and New England are all in it right now. They are, to different degrees. They do not know what they have long-term at that position, like the Bills do. Once you go into it, you never know how long it takes. In 2017... The Bears traded up to two overall to pick Mitch Trubisky. And I'm, I'm sure Chicago fans and the Bears themselves thought they were exiting quarterback purgatory. Three years later, they are right back in it. They never left, but they're still stuck there. By the way, the Chiefs and Texans that year, who are two teams that, between the two of them, maybe never had a great quarterback... Never had a franchise quarterback. Is Alex Smith the closest I'm going to get? Trent Green? Older Joe Montana? Like Between those two franchises, did they ever have a franchise quarterback that was near the top of the league? And they just, they hit, right? They got Watson, they got Mahomes, and now they're out of it for a decade. But they had been circling round and round and round for how long? Trying to find Mahomes and Watson. The Texans, I mean, they spent their entire existence looking for Deshaun Watson. It took them 20 years to find him. The Chiefs, my entire lifetime, has been the Chiefs with middling quarterbacks. Guys that could just get you to the playoffs. Did they not spend their entire existence looking for Patrick Mahomes? It's easy to say, hey, and I, I just said it. I'm give, trying to give you both sides of the, of the, the case here. It's easy to say, hey, yeah, if Tua is great and the Jets get Trevor Lawrence and New England gets one of these other two guys, like, yeah, Bills, hey, you could have a big challenge in front of you. But for every guy that succeeds, there are 10 that bust. And the Bills were one of those teams that were looking for Josh Allen for decades. They found him, and now it looks like we're out. And those other three teams are either just – they are – Still trying to find their way out like the Jets and Dolphins or New England for the first time 
that I can remember are entering quarterback purgatory. 803-0550 is the phone number. Spent a lot of time on the division there. I love talking about the AFC East right now. It's so intriguing because there's so much up in the air, short-term, more, more long-term. Short-term, it feels like there's not that much up in the air, actually. The, the Bills are just probably cruising. Um, but there's still Miami to keep an eye on. All right, a lot of stuff to get to on today's show. So we'll take your calls at 803-0550 when we return. I do want to talk about, there were some interesting tweets today on Bill's Twitter about the Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson trade. There apparently was a TV guy who gave the Bills a B- in the Stephon Diggs trade. And while I will not give them a B-, I will also defend, I'll, I'll defend criticizing the Diggs trade from the Bills side. Because it's not, a, it's not, it's not like the best trade of all time. I'll just say, I'll put it there and I'll expand on that when we come back. To the nightcap with Jody Biasi. Thanks for listening. This is WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Ellie Skipper does a fantastic job with that. You know, he's got a good feel for those guys down there on the field. And when they need breaks and, you know, it's sometimes a guy gets hot and you feed him a little bit more or other times you're both kind of going at the same time and you're trying to keep him fresh. But you know, I credit Kelly for really having a good feel for his position group and the guys that he works with and rolling them in and out. You know, are there certain plays that we might tag a 20 or a 26? Absolutely. But, you know, really have confidence in those guys that whatever we call that they can go out there and do and try to keep them as fresh as we can, which we needed to yesterday. They were both getting quite a few touches, relatively speaking. Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable speaking yesterday to the media on Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, a pretty even split when it comes to snap count, when it comes to touches, carries. They have a legitimate committee between, you know, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss in that backfield. I, though, I've been on this bandwagon since, really, the NFL draft. It's not a Bills conversation. It's a fantasy conversation. 
because both guys play important roles on this team at the running back position. Like, it's a pretty even split. But in terms of fantasy, it to me is so clear who you'd rather have. It is Zach Moss. Zach Moss had more carries at the goal line Sunday than Devin Singletary had all of last season. And maybe that's not a slight to Devin Singletary. Maybe Devin Singletary is a good goal line back. The Bills just don't want to use him there. And that's fine. They got Josh Allen. They really don't have to use either one. Josh Allen's like the best goal line back in the league. But Singletary had two carries inside the five-yard line last season. Back-to-back plays against Washington. Zach Moss had three carries at the goal line on Sunday. And those are the valuable touches. A carry inside the five can be worth... Maybe more, but as much as triple per touch that between the 20s does, fantasy-wise. So, hey, if you got Devin Singletary, try to sell him in fantasy. And if Zach Moss is still, you know, relatively cheap, it was kind of a breakout game for him on Sunday, so I'm not sure you. this is not the best time to buy. You would have liked to have done this, you know, this time last week, but... If you can get him for a reasonable price, I still like Zach Moss a lot uh, in fantasy, at least in comparison to Devin Singletary. He's good too, right? Are, are we? I, I think he's good. Doesn't have to be that. He's really only had one very good game so far. But hey, Moss makes guys miss, and it's not just you know pure elusiveness. It is the combination of his ability to to cut and. His ability to just bounce off of tackles with his physicality. In the last month, only only Delvin Cook has forced more broken tackles in the league than Zach Moss. So he's playing well. And he's earning more touches. I don't need him to be much more than 50-50, if at all. But at least 50-50 for Zach Moss going forward is what I would do. 803 is the phone number if you have any thoughts on my little division conversation from the first segment. There was something else, though, I saw Bills related today that I wanted to get to. It was from ESPN. Mike Tannenbaum, former Jets and Dolphins executive, so he's been around the, been around the division. He, on ESPN, when they were evaluating some past trades, recent trades, they got to the Stephon Diggs trade. The Bills send a first-round pick and, I believe, a fifth-round pick to Minnesota for Stephon Diggs. And he gave it a B-. And while I'd be higher than that, it seemed like everybody was out to crush Mike Tannenbaum today on social media. And I get it. You know, I get it to an extent. On the surface, you can look at that. If you don't do much digging at all, you look at it and you say what, right? Diggs got acquired by the Bills. He is second in the NFL in receiving yards. He's third in targets. He he might be, or he's third in receptions, second in receiving yards. He's near the top of the league in targets. I believe he's also top five there. But, to me, and, like, today was a breath of fresh air from, from Joe Douglas, the Jets GM. Joe Douglas came right out and said, in reference to how good Robbie Anderson has played in Carolina, the former Jet receiver, this year, top five in the league in receiving, Joe Douglas came right out and said, yeah, I probably should I probably should have looked at that differently. In reference to how he's playing now. And, like, I dropped the ball on that one. That was Joe Douglas today. He was not afraid to play, you know, the hindsight is twenty twenty game, right? 
He was not afraid to do revisionist history. He just did it because it's obvious. You, you missed. You should have signed Robbie Anderson. You decided to sign Brashad Perriman instead, and Sam Darnold, and first of all, Perriman can't stay on the field. One, he had four good games before that. So you took a huge step down when you've got a quarterback that you need to develop. There's nothing wrong with taking into account. In fact, teams fire, hire, they fire GMs in all sports based on the outcome of their trades, right? Not solely, but the Sabres traded Ryan O'Reilly and they got nothing back for him. And then he went on to win the Conn Smythe in a Stanley Cup. You don't think that matters towards that trade? What he does after? Especially when it comes to unproven commodities. Draft picks, prospects, younger players. When you are sending those away, you are trading away unproven commodities. You are risking something when you do that. Because that commodity has the potential to be great. And to me, what the Diggs trade is for the Bills is they moved a first-round pick, which was an unknown commodity, with risk. There was a chance, if they took a receiver in the first place, which I think a lot of us had been talking about, right, that they were going to do that, uh, or at least it was likely that they were going to do that, they needed a guy. That if the Bills had sat there, not traded for Diggs, and spent a first-round pick on any receiver... It was basically a guess, and it was a risk that that guy was going to turn into the number one wide receiver you needed. Now, instead, they sent the first for Stephon Diggs, who is already guaranteed provably great. You know, success rate against man coverage and zone coverage, success rate against press coverage. Like, he is 90th percentile and above every year. For the most part. Like he is just he's phenomenal. And in in coupled with that, he's still pretty young, 26 years old, and he's on a pretty good contract. 13, 14 million bucks, I think, off the top of my head. That's not bad for a wide receiver, a number one wide receiver in the league. Not at all. So you were taking the risk away by trading for Stephon Diggs. You were. What the Vikings did is they took that first-round pick, and the receiver they selected, Justin Jefferson, rookie out of Florida, has been, I mean, he looks unstoppable. He looks great. And you have to account for that. Because it's perfectly reasonable to think the Bills could have ended up with Justin Jefferson. They did not trade it for Stephon Diggs. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done that trade because I had been banging the drum for years for them to do that trade, and they did it. But you can't just you can't give them an A plus because Stephon Diggs is great. You have to account for what the other side became, and what happened on the other side was the Vikings took on the risk, and in reward, they now have a guy that looks like he's going to become a number one wide receiver in the league. He's playing like one right now. Jefferson is, I know Diggs is second in the league in receiving yards. Justin Jefferson, as a rookie, is 14th in the NFL right now in receiving yards. And while Diggs is playing for a pass-happy offense right now with the Bills and Brian Dable, Jefferson is playing on the Minnesota Vikings, who throw have thrown the football this season fewer than everybody else in the league. 
and he still managed to be 14th. And that's also with Adam Thielen, by the way, on the other side, who hogs a lot of those targets as well. So, the production is there with him. He's five years younger than Diggs at 21 years old. He's on a cheap contract because of his rookie deal. And, you know, they've got five, they they might have Stephon Diggs, but five years younger. So again, I'm not, don't get me misconstrued, because I am coming on strongly here in defense of the Vikings in this trade. Because I think they made out. The Bills did the right thing. They needed that guy. They were in win-now mode. I didn't think they could afford to take on the risk. But they don't get an A. I don't think, and this could vary by person, but I don't think you should be able, I don't think you can give an A trade grade if you're going to grade trades in the first place, you know, I guess there's maybe that's stupid to begin with. But if you're going to grade trades, I don't think you can give anyone an A unless it's an outright win. And I'm sorry. Yes, Stephon Diggs is an elite wide receiver in the league, but the Bills did not outright win the Stephon Diggs trade. They didn't. They're win-win deals. B-plus for both. What's wrong with that? I think that's the fair assessment of the Stephon Diggs trade today. The Bills eliminated the risk of what a prospect first-round pick receiver would be by getting a proven, bona fide stud who, yes, is five years older and is a little more expensive, but that's where they were as a team. The Vikings, their motivations were strange, to me why they did it, but they took on the risk, and their reward is they maybe have another number one wide receiver, but they have an extra five years of him, and they have three of those years, if not four of those years, uh, with it being very cheap. So, B-plus for both. You can't be an A unless you're an outright win, and the Bills did not outright win the Stephon Diggs trade. They won it, but they didn't outright win it, if that is you know different in the first place. All right. I'm going to take a timeout here, and when we come back, we will wrap up our conversation. Last call on the nightcap. Jody Biasi here on the nightcap. It's WGR. Yeah, it's bizarre. You know, it's very, it's very odd being in Vancouver here, seeing the leaves change. I don't think I've seen that since I've been 15 years old. So it's, it's a little bit of a mental grind to, you know, stay in it. You know, luckily I enjoy the working out process, the training process, but that's usually a couple month gig. It's it's not usually a, a full year of, of, of doing that, unfortunately. So I think everyone's kind of looking forward to the conversations in the next few weeks of trying to get this back on track and trying to get back into our cities, you know, and get on the ice with our teammates again. So we're kind of looking forward to that process. That's that's really starting now and hopefully it's sooner than later. That is Sabres forward Sam Reinhart last week speaking to the media after his contract extension, one year, $5.2 million. little hockey on the brain here for me right now. It's a patriotic day in our country. It's election day. I like election day for the maps. I'm a big map guy. I grew up with a, uh, a placemat with all the maps on it of the world. The flags, too. Very into that. Geography. It was Social studies was always my favorite subject, so this is a, this is a fun night for me. Um, but patriotic, it had me thinking about, you know, 
was thinking I had hockey in the brain. I don't even remember why. But like, if I put a, together an all-time lineup of Sabres players that are just American-born players, like, how, would it be good? Would it be great? Would it be loaded? And I did that, and I was kind of surprised that it wasn't amazing. It was good. I'll run that through you real quick, because I only got a minute here anyway, and I put that together earlier today. Uh, line one for the All-American Sabres team, Pat LaFontaine, Jack Eichel, and Jason Pominville. They're pretty deep at center, so I put Eichel on the wing. Pominville, by the way, was born in Quebec, but played internationally for the USA, so I'm counting that. Not counting Tyler Myers, in turn, who plays internationally for Canada, but was born in Houston, Texas. Uh, second line, Chris Drury, Drew Stafford, Derek Plant. Line three, Tim Connolly, Brian Holzinger, Kyle Oposo. I'm already at Kyle Oposo, and it's the third line. But to be fair, he's a Buffalo Sabre player who made an all-star game. I mean... For your own nationality, I feel like third line shouldn't be saying too much for a guy who made an all-star game for you. I know it was, you know, there's been some bad years since, but. Fourth line, Paul Gostad, Randy Wood, and Mike Greer. Remember, this is all only American-born Sabre players in history. Uh, defensive pairings, Phil Housley and Mike Ramsey. That's darn good. Two of the best defensemen in franchise history. Housley is the best defenseman in franchise history. Um, Richie Dunn and Jordan Leopold. Jake McCabe, Lee Fogelin, blue line, eh. The bottom four is not great. Goalie, though, is just phenomenal. Ryan Miller and Tom Barrasso. I mean, probably the second and third best goalies in team history. Does Marty get in there at third? I don't I don't know. I'm not here to compare Barrasso and Baron, but two of the best goalies in Sabres history. Right after Dominic Hasek. So that's your all-time Sabres uh, All-American team on a pretty patriotic day here, so. Thought I'd throw that your way in case you're not following me on Twitter. That's going to do it for me, though, tonight. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you do want election coverage, be sure to tune in to our sister station, News Radio 930 WBEN. They'll have coverage throughout the night uh, if you want to keep track of that. So head over to 930 AM if you want to do that. Until tomorrow when I will talk to you at 7 p.m. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.